welcome again to another edition of the Red Reporter Podcast. Uh, I'm your host, PK, and alongside this week, uh, we have Wick Terrell and Eric Roseberry. Hey, guys. What's happening? Not How's it going? Decided to switch it up this week and introduce you both at the same time. Yeah, yeah it was a curveball yeah. there. That was, yeah. that was, uh, that was uh, hey, a... Hey, we're... We're in mid-season form. That was a Rookie Davis curveball right there. So There yeah. you go. There you go. So, uh... Not a ton of uh, Reds news this week to talk about. We don't have a special guest, uh, but you know, there we haven't really had a chance to kind of dig into what's been going on with the team around spring training. Um, just kind of around who, I mean, there's only two more weeks uh, left before the season starts, so I figure we should Woo-hoo. kind of take a look at uh, who we think is going to make the roster how that is kind of shaping up to look right now. And, uh, yeah, so the uh, real big news of the week, uh, as far as the opening day roster goes, is that we know who is going to be making the opening day start for the Reds, and that is Scott Feldman. So uh, just, you know, starting off, reactions to Scott Feldman being named opening day starter. So I don't know if uh, if that was a Reds attempt to like deliberately set the tone for the season um, or not, uh, but it certainly is the you know of of all of the uh, uh, the pitching overhaul that's happened over the last two to three years. Like even of the guys that have come and gone, I'm not sure there's a less quote unquote like sexy name than Scott Feldman. You know, 34 year old Scott Feldman who was a reliever with two organizations last year is now. Suddenly brought in, and you know, like you know, what uh, February or late January, and uh, off the scrap heap to to, to opening day starter. Um, you know, it's I think it's the prudent decision. I think it also it simultaneously uh, puts a guy who's been an opening day starter twice before, albeit on not great teams, um, but it puts the lone rural veteran uh, on the pitching staff as the guy who gets to start opening day. And if anything, it takes the pressure off of Brandon Finnegan. And the more I think about it, I think that's kind of like the way that the Reds wanted to frame this, which is, Hey, Brandon, you had a great, you know, not his rookie year, but his first full season in the pros as a starter. Uh, we don't want to throw you out there on day one with, you know, the, the hopes and dreams of the pitching staff on your shoulders because you're not ready for that. We don't want to ask you to be ready for that. We don't want to give you the pressure that goes along with having that happen. So I think the farther removed I get from this, it's a bummer more than it is uh, a bad sign for how things are. Uh, the injuries are the bad sign. Feldman is the opening starter is kind of the uh, – uh, it's the shiniest Band-Aid that they can roll out there. And um, who knows? I, I, I'm not excited about it. Nobody really is. But at the same point. Uh, despite it being opening day, it's the Cincinnati Reds versus the Philadelphia Phillies in 2017 for opening day. And neither one of those teams really project to be going anywhere either. So it kind of seems more of a, uh, 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 kick the ball down the road a little bit more than it is, uh, anointing Scott Feldman at the top of the staff. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's, I think it's less about Scott Feldman. Who's, I mean, it's fine, but more, it means Anthony Discafani's not healthy. Uh, it means Homer Bailey's not healthy. Uh, I think it's just a reminder, you know, Razel Iglesias isn't a starter anymore, um, that there are just a lot of issues with this starting rotation. I mean, the last five opening day starters, Cueto was four of those, so we didn't really have to think much about it. But, uh, yeah, this is just 
I think driving home the fact once again, uh, there are some, some real holes here into May or June probably. Yeah, I, I, w- I would agree with that. I mean, I think that, you know, one one thing about this situation that makes it a little bit different is just kind of the pressure of opening day in Cincinnati specifically. Right. You know, if the opening day starter, you know, gets to be on the, the top of the parade float going through downtown before the game, like that's that's kind of for for a young player who still kind of isn't fully confident, doesn't you know, still has a lot to prove. Yeah, I think that that can could maybe be a little bit too much for someone like Brandon Finnegan, or even even if you want to go to one of the other kind of young players that that could make the rotation. You know, I don't I don't want to see you know Robert Stevenson and his fragile psyche out there, you know, like a deer in headlights all all afternoon. So, you know, I think that given given what they have, um, you know, Scott Feldman's probably the the best the best option. But, um, you know, yeah, it's, at, at, as you said, at the end of the day, it's one game. It's not going to really mean much <laughs> this season anyway. Yeah. So it's, it certainly doesn't set, it certainly doesn't set the tone with a very like, you know, uh, uh, great, you know, initial taste of the season. But again, you know, I, I would much rather Brandon Finnegan not be out there and try to overthrow and throw, you know, nine balls in a row to start the season because he's overthrowing. And then that could throw off. God knows how many other things with, you know, uh, beat writers and obnoxious basement bloggers like us writing about how, oh, man, like he's not ready for it. He's the only guy who could have been ready for it and blah, blah, blah. It just it buys them a little bit of time. And ultimately, that's all Scott Feldman really is. It's the, the whole point of signing him was a bridge, uh, a time buyer. And I think if anything, this is kind of the uh, it's the endorsement that the Reds were not hoping to have to give on opening day because I think they were hoping Anthony DiScofani or Homer Bailey would be able to do that and still have the ceremonial aspect still be there. Uh, but I think the fact of the matter is the Reds aren't saying it publicly, but this is like the best endorsement of, yeah, uh, April's going to suck because we can't call guys up when we want to because of service time issues and we're doing the fiscally responsible thing. We're going to hold some guys down, but trust us, just like last year, when everybody got healthy, when all the younger guys got called up, and when all the, the pieces that we've traded for and we've waited on all got there, the end of the season was a 500 baseball team. And so hopefully I think they're trying to make that leak as far into the earlier part of the season as possible. But I think they kind of acknowledged, based on who they didn't sign and didn't go after to augment the rotation, even before Discofani and Bailey got hurt, they probably didn't have a whole lot of really high hopes for April as is anyway. And this is kind of just the, it's the, uh, uh, it's signing the check with a grimace on your face and saying, yes, okay, whatever. And writing, basically writing off April is kind of what this signifies, which in the grand scheme, we knew 2017 was going to kind of be a write off year anyway. You hoped it didn't have to be from the start and at least not in the brightest lights, but that's what Scott Feldman's starting opening day is. And I think it's more of a reminder of what the situation is than it is like an indictment of something that we didn't really know already. Yeah, I mean, uh, the main thing, I think, is just kind of the optics of it that, I mean, the announcement became the joke of baseball Twitter for an hour or so. And um, uh, for fans looking for reasons to be optimistic after two really down years, it's probably just not the announcement you wanted to have to make. Yeah, and I guess the best way to put it is for so many teams and for so many good teams, 
quote-unquote, the opening day starter is always equated with the game one starter if you make the playoffs and, quote-unquote, the best starter in the franchise. That's obviously not the case with Scott Feldman and the Reds know it. We all know it. We all know that even with their young stages right now, odds are over the course of a full season, if you gave them the chance to show themselves, guys like hopefully Amir Garrett and uh, uh, Brennan Finnegan and hopefully Cody Reed can take that next step. And those guys are going to be better pitchers down the line for sure, but probably in 2017 also. Um, and obviously, Di Scafani, when he gets healthy, he is a better pitcher than Scott Feldman at age 34 also. So I don't think this is, you know, a lot of people reacted as the Reds saying, hey, Scott Feldman is our game one best starter. And that's not what it is. But it still has that connotation that kind of elicits that response. And that's the that's the kind of cringe moment every time you hear it, because it's like, oh, yeah, you got to you got to acknowledge that that's just not what's happening when you're in the middle of a rebuild. Right. I mean, I, I feel like it's kind of the same thing as uh, as Brian Price and his new kind of bullpen strategy. It's like, well, they don't really have a closer. Well, oh, if you're if you're thinking about the Reds bullpen and you want to think of the anchor of the of the bullpen, they don't really have one. It's kind of thinking about it the same way to me. Is like, this is kind of, this is a team that's just kind of in disarray right now. People aren't healthy. There's not really set roles for anyone on the team. So. You know what? Why not Scott Feldman be your opening day starter at this point and see, you know, see what happens. Yep. So, uh, going back to the other news of the week, um, the Reds actually finally had their first round of roster cuts um, on the fifteenth. So, um, a bunch of the names that pretty much we all expected. There were really the only major name in there was Dilson Herrera, who. Um, has been nursing an injury throughout spring training anyway and hasn't really played in the field. So, um, you know, Herrera, I, I think Herrera was not a, necessarily a surprise to be sent to minor league camp. It doesn't seem like he's going to be healthy enough to make the Reds out of spring training anyway. But, um, you know, it really it puts the Reds at 48 players left in camp with two weeks to go, and they need to – they're going to get rid of 23 of those guys at some point. So there's, there's a lot of uh, work to be done there. So going into the, the guys we have left here, um, looks like we have, uh, you know, most of the players left in camp are pitchers as, as I guess you'd expect you um, relatively to, to who's going to actually make the, the roster. Um, Really, the Reds only have two rotation spots that are set in stone at this point. With when, so uh, it sounds like they're going to be looking to pull three starters off this roster. Um, you know, maybe two relievers uh, are kind of up in the air. Is it, so? My question to you guys is: Who do you guys see making the Reds rotation out of spring training alongside? The uh, Feldman and Finnegan, really the two guys that we know. Ooh, that's, uh, <laughs> um, well, that's, uh, that's a good question. Um, I, I, here we are in 2017 and, you know, uh, one of the first real moves that the Reds made in this rebuild that they're deep and dark in came when they were up against their payroll limit after the 2013 season heading into 2014 
and they couldn't re-sign Shinsu Chu, and they took a you know a, a, a compensation pick when he walked and hit free agency and signed a hundred and thirty million dollar contract. And the other major move was they didn't have the money to keep Bronson Arroyo around. Um, and they wanted to turn over the rotation to the younger guys and the younger arms in the system. And here we are uh, four years later. And I think the biggest question that kind of holds a lot of this uh, together, kind of that puzzle piece that has a lot of the uh, the points in the ends and the big one in the middle that has everything else connected is what the hell they have in Bronson Arroyo. Um, and that's fascinating to me on a, a number of different levels. Um, but it's also, a, you know, a product of the same reason Scott Feldman starting opening day. Uh, they have a lot of young arms that look like they should be good and impact players this year, but that they do want to hold down in the minors for two to three to four weeks to make sure that they have them for effectively seven years instead of six years. Guys like Sal Romano, guys like uh, Amir Garrett, uh, guys like Rookie Davis even, who... You know, they would love to have the maximum amount of control over uh, when there's two and three weeks on the line that don't have anything that really matters in the 2017 season. So I think Bronson Arroyo has every opportunity to make this starting rotation from day one, uh, assuming he doesn't keep getting hit in the face with comebackers uh, or from throws from uh, Devin Mesoraco at home. <laughs> And assuming that he can continue to progress and get innings on his arm after having been out for basically the last two and a half years. So, you know, uh, he's a non-roster guy. They'll have to free up a spot for him, but they've got plenty of uh, uh, expendable guys in the periphery of this roster to where I think if Bronson Arroyo is healthy and progresses through Cactus League play, he's going to get a rotation spot to start this season. Uh, you'll see Scott Feldman. You'll see Brennan Finnegan. You'll see Bronson Arroyo. Um, you'll probably see Tim Edelman based on what we saw today, um, who is a guy who, who continues to be that guy that we forget to talk about, but is, you know, on the roster and almost 30 and pitched at any league ball and never really that impressive, but he's that four, 4.3 ERA guy who can potentially actually get you four to five innings every single time he's on the mound because he throws strikes. Um, I think the Reds will value that greatly. Um, and then it comes down to Cody Reed and Robert Stevenson. And I, I, what I wouldn't be at all surprised to find is you'll see one of those guys get, quote unquote, that fifth starter role, uh, despite the fact that with off days uh, and the staggered way that they start the season, you don't really need a fifth starter for the first you know three to four weeks of the season. I think you'll see Reed, Stevenson, and Edelman probably as well kind of rotated through and somebody gets a start. Somebody gets to be that long man in a blowout, but you'll see all three of those guys break camp with the team. Uh, if for no other reason that the same reason that the rotation is so unsettled and you don't know if you're getting one or two or three or six innings out of the guys that are starting, you got to have the depth in the bullpen to be able to balance that out. Um, you don't have five guys who you know are going to get you seven innings. So you don't have a whole lot of specialists in the bullpen because you need guys who can throw more pitches than that. So I, I think you'll see a little bit of a blend, which is a really easy way to not answer this question. Well, answering the question. <laughs> um, but I think you'll see basically six guys who could be starters all kept because you'll see two of them kind of effectively used as bullpen pieces until they really settle on what the rotation is going to look like. Uh, but by the time they reach that point in the season, uh, guys like Amir Garrett and Sal Romano and Rookie Davis, if they've chewed through innings at AAA to start the season, you might see them called up to actually be, 
you know, a dedicated starter at which thing, at which point things will shake themselves out a little bit more. Yeah, I mean, I, mine wouldn't be too different from that. Like you said, you got Finnegan and Feldman. Uh, Sal Romano has been so good this spring. Um, and I know those numbers probably won't hold. Uh, but even if you're giving him five to six innings of work, if he can get through it, uh, he is at least a young starter who could get the fan base excited about. Uh, I mean, he doesn't have a ton of name value. But, hey, here's somebody from the system that's in the rotation now that – Potentially could be pitching pretty well. Uh, I figure Adelman will be sitting in there. He's been, I know it's a really small sample size, really bad this spring. Um, he's given up 15 earned runs and 12 innings of work. So uh, you'd like to see that come down. But, uh, I mean, he's an, he's an arm they can put out there and they're not worried about service time or any of that stuff with him. Uh, and then, yeah, the more the, the spring goes on, I know it would probably make more sense to leave him down, but it wouldn't surprise me at all to see Amir Garrett crack the rotation, and that might be rushing him a little bit, but uh, it sure would be a nice balance to the Scott Feldman opening day starter storyline. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm i still kind of up, up in the air about what to do with guys like Romano and Garrett too, because as, as Wick, as you said, I mean, you could very easily just see them – stashing those guys in Louisville for a couple of weeks until until the service clocks are running and they get the extra year uh to keep them so but at the same time you know you have those two guys who I think the fan base might be more excited about those two guys than they are about Robert Stevenson and Cody Reed you know yeah. you have guys like those like Stevenson and Reed both came up last year and they had the fan base excited and then they now the fan base is almost soured on those two guys, especially Reed. So it's like when you see a guy like Garrett, who is still that kind of fresh faced, uh, doesn't doesn't have the uh, track record of getting knocked around in Great American Ballpark yet. Um, you know, maybe they put one of those guys in the rotation to uh, kind of appease the fan base who wants to see a younger team on the field. Um, I I do agree that I someone like Cody Reed will probably be in the bullpen to start. Um, and I I like the idea of um, not having a set five-man rotation to start the year and kind of rotating those guys in and out. Like what kind of like what we saw at the end of last year where you know really it wasn't it wasn't five guys, you know, that we were seeing start these games. It was you know, seven or eight different guys who were just kind of, oh, this guy will go this day, and then you'll go next week. You'll be out in the bullpen this week. And it's like, I, I tend to think that it's going to be a lot less regimented than we've seen in years past. And uh, maybe that maybe that's a good fit for this team. Yeah, so I, I for guys like Sal Romano, so Sal Romano is 23 years old, just turned 23 uh, in October this past year. So he's more or less, uh, he's, I guess he's like six, seven months younger than uh, Cody Reed. Uh, so, you know, him heading into this year seems very similar to where Cody Reed was heading into last year, whereas neither one of them had reached AAA yet. And obviously there's, you know, there's some precedent, some very light precedent uh, in the Reds organization from calling guys up without having them pitch in AAA. Uh, Johnny Cueto, as great as he is, is pretty much the exception. Um, so I, you know, from 
service time and uh, experience and how well things will translate to the big league level. Romano specifically is a guy who I think you don't put in the rotation. You don't put on the open A roster. You buy time with him at AAA in a year that doesn't mean a whole lot, not because of what he's shown, but because of where he is on the depth chart and because of how meaningless this April is in terms of his long-term development. Um, Amir Garrett's a guy who I think is a slightly different uh, uh, story, and I've written about that a couple times on the site. So this is going to be his age 25 season. Um, he's already burned more options than these guys because as he was transitioning from playing basketball uh, in college and pitching part-time basically in the minor leagues, uh, he didn't get enough innings as he was younger after being drafted, but he still got put on the roster because of his upside. So he's a guy who is way, way, way down in A-ball as a 22-, 23-24-year-old guy who was burning an option and on the 40-man roster, which is not something you really see a whole lot. Uh, so he's already been brought up and kind of uh, nurtured as a special case. Uh, for me, if he's pitching at age 25 and he's one of the if he's one of the five or six best starters, then obviously you keep him down. But if he's one of the two or three best starters, which from everything he's shown this year in spring, which obviously doesn't count as much, but what he's shown last year and on prospect lists and from every scout you talk to, uh, I almost think at his age, in his second option year, if he's good enough to go, you endorse the kid. You put him in the rotation and you say, okay, yeah, maybe we're leveraging having him around at age 31, 32 uh, based on these two weeks right here. But at the same point, for a guy that's going to be you know, finally reaching free agency at that level, if you want him around for age 32, you find a way to keep him at age 32. That's a decision you make down the road. Right now, I, you know, it, it, keeping Amir Garrett as one of your starters in the rotation is almost the way to kind of unwind uh, the meh level of having Scott Feldman start opening day by saying, hey, yeah, we've actually got a guy up here who we're going to roll the dice with. We think he's that good. We think he's ready. And it's not just an on-paper move because I think a lot of people in the organization think that Amir Garrett's probably the guy who's the most ready, even of Stevenson and Reed who made their cup of coffee debuts last year. Um, he's older than they are. You know, He's a full year, year and a half older than they are. Um, and he's pitched better this spring when all the pressure's been on all of those guys to go out and make their case to be in the starting rotation. So he's the one guy who I say, you know, yeah, it doesn't make a whole lot of fiscal financial sense uh, from a service clock perspective, but from an age perspective, he's old enough. And if he's ready, he should be on the opening day rotation. And I'm for it. And I would love to see it happen. I don't know if the Reds will go with it, but that's the one, that's probably the biggest opening day 25-man roster storyline that I'm looking to see is whether or not they say, look, Amir Garrett, your time is now. Go for it. Yeah, I, I'm anxious to see that that happen because, yeah, I think that's a good point that he's a little bit older than the rest of these guys. And, you know, I, I think that does kind of change your approach a little bit. So I think that uh, – I'd love to see uh, Amir Garrett in the rotation to start the year. Yeah, I mean, if you look up and you say, okay, Scott Feldman's your opening day starter, ticket sales are way the hell down as is anyway. You know, what's the what? at what price point does making sure you've got Amir Garrett for his age 32 season seven years down the road from now, uh, how much does that have to value 
losing the extra million to $2 million because nobody's going to show up because the starting rotation is bad. And the teams have been right. bad for three <clears throat> years beforehand. And they've right. lost, you know, 500,000 tickets per year already. And now you're rolling out a rotation that doesn't even have Amir Garrett in it. You know, it's, you know, if, uh, I reference Todd Frazier a lot. And obviously one's a position player, one's a pitcher. But Frazier, you know, the Reds had Frazier for his best years. They traded him after he turned 30. Uh, and now he's a guy who already looks like he's kind of slipped from his peak. Uh, you didn't get his age 32 year under team control, but you still managed to trade him for a guy like Jose Peraza if he needed to. And he debuted as a 25-year-old rookie and you got his best years. Like, again, uh, if, if if saving if, – if for, for a guy that is going to be under team control for age 32 when called up at 25 – uh, uh, the difference in the amount of millions you're going to have to pay him at age 32, A, if you want him at that point, that means he's been really, really good for you, which is a good thing. And B, the market for 32-year-old pitchers that haven't broken down at all isn't going to be that massive that you can't find a way to extend him if he turns out to be the next David Price, you know, or, or whatever. And so uh, I think that risk is low. The two weeks, yeah, it's two weeks. It's probably two, maybe three starts that you don't have him up there. But the way that the Reds have already walked into this season with injuries galore and Scott Feldman as your beacon on opening day, uh, you got to find a way to at least entice the fans somehow. And I don't think it's a gimmick, in only a gimmick sense, to put Amir Garrett in the rotation. I think he's somebody who could contribute, and it would give you that name value. And I think that's something the Reds seriously need to consider. Yeah. Apparently Price came out today. See, Trent's got some quotes where he said AAA experience would not be a prerequisite for getting in the rotation. And I know that's not entirely his call, but it, it does seem like they're pretty open to those guys who might not have the kind of experience you'd expect. You know, it's 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 interesting to hear Brian Price say stuff like that now, especially that he, he you know, he did <laughs> he didn't get he didn't get fired. He's been through three years of the rebuild. He actually got that one year plus mutual option. Uh, contract. So, uh, but we all have, we've talked extensively over you know, the last year or so that if Brian Price was going to be retained, that this was the year that he had to start, you know, <laughs> showing development and, and things moving forward and just be, you know, the guy in charge of uh, uh, a bunch of young guys who aren't ready to win yet. So for him to say that, if he said that two years ago, it might have been a little bit different in terms of what he really meant than what I think it means now. What he might be saying now is, how the hell are you going to keep my job if I can't even have, <laughs> if I can't even have Amir Garrett on my on my my rotation right now? What the hell do you want me to do? You know, <laughs> right? Yeah, that's fair. So, uh, moving on from the pitching side, uh, let's go to the hitting side of things. Um, you know, one of the big question marks coming into Reds camp this year was the health of Devin Mezaraka. And, um, yeah, he's been playing in games for about a week now, and um, it looks like all systems are go with, uh, with Devin Mezzarocco as far as uh, projecting to be on the opening day roster. So um, what, is, what does that do for the Reds lineup uh, going forward? And let's, let's talk about some of the, uh, the other guys that, outside of the position players who we've all known about, some of the bench guys that um, – will make the team. Yeah. I mean, it's obviously it's exciting that Mesoraco is healthy and he's going to be on the roster. And so I'd expect him to uh, split quite a bit of time with Tucker Barnhart early. I don't think he's going to get 
much of a majority of the starts as they kind of ease him back into this. Uh, but given the given the time, fans have been waiting to see uh, both him and Bailey having one of them healthy and potentially on the opening day roster. Uh, yeah, that's a, a big boost, at least to uh, interest, I would think. Yeah, I don't think it does a whole lot for Stuart Turner's uh, prospects with uh, with the Reds, although I'm sure they could find a way to negotiate some sort of a price to keep him in the system if need be to at least have him down at AAA, probably with Chad Wallach and being that additional catching depth. But yeah, I think Mesoraco, who got I think I picked up a second hit of the day today, or second hit of the Cactus League play today, uh, and actually caught, I think, into the f- maybe through four, if not five innings today also. Um, you know, he he hasn't looked great, but at least he's been healthy. And you know, if he's healthy, he's got the talent in his system to be able to uh, to shine through when need be. So I think hopefully, hopefully, barring any setbacks or uh, unforeseen circumstances, uh, that that catching situation is something that looks like it's starting to play itself out. Uh, knock on wood, the way that we hoped it would, which is something you can't say about a whole lot of the rest of the uh, uh, the Reds roster at this point in time, but. Um, aside from that, I think the most interesting battle I'm looking forward to is how the Reds make that decision on the last bench bat. Um, you know, they've said they don't want to carry three catchers. Knock on wood, that looks like that's something they're not going to have to do anymore. Um, I think you look up at guys like Desmond Jennings and probably uh, Arizmendi Alcantara are the two guys that, based on how much look they've been given and based on how they've performed relative to what they've done in years past coming into camp, both look healthy and both look like capable parts to do what it is that we all thought they could do, uh, which is be, you know, in Jennings' case, the fourth outfielder, the backup center fielder, a guy who can hit lefties. In Alcantara's uh, situation, the, the the hyper utility guy who can play third, short, second, center field. And if you can play shortstop and center field, you can play anywhere else in the diamond, too. Um, I think that gives those two guys the kind of the inside track uh, to have made the team. Um, beyond that, though, that's where things get interesting. Uh, you know, Ryan Rayburn, how healthy is he? Can he be that big bat off the bench? Um, has Patrick Kivlahan, who was a guy they brought in last year and actually kept around, so he's a little bit more of a known quantity to the Reds. Uh, he's hit very well this spring as well. Um, he's a versatile guy. Does he play his way in? Uh, Christian Walker, the guy that they brought in uh, when the DFA Jumbo Diaz, has hit – fairly well and looks like he can play more than just first base having gotten in corner outfield spots. Um, you know, uh, Ernan Iribarin, uh, a guy who's a, you know, a career journeyman minor leaguer, uh, but actually serves as that veteran guy because he's th- what, 32, 33 years old. Um, how those guys kind of filter out between now and the end of spring camp um, that I think that's going to be uh, what to watch. Cause a lot of them have hit very well so far this spring uh, knowing they're in the spotlight. Yeah, I just ran across this price. Basically came out and put this week Rayburn, Jennings, and Ira Barron in a group and said with that group, you want to have at least one of those guys, if not two of them, on the club. Yeah. And so maybe that, yeah, I mean, with what you were saying, I think that's definitely the the cluster they're looking at. Yeah. And I feel like I, I out of that group, I feel like – you know, with, with Rayburn, Rayburn's the veteran guy who is his age is the reason why he came in on a minor league deal. Uh, that is his odd on again, off again uh, uh, years over the past few years, which is probably also a byproduct of his age. Um, Irbarn, you know, he's a guy who has hit very well. I think he won the International League batting title last year. Uh, but a career minor leaguer, you know, you always have questions about a guy who reaches his age and has never really got a chance to be on a major league roster 
beyond what he got at the end of the year last year. Um, so those two guys, I feel like, have a little bit of a different what, – what they're trying to prove is that they can still do it and that they're late bloomers or still have something left in the tank. Uh, with Jennings, though, I think you know the only reason Jennings was available to the Reds, uh, it was because he had two bad years, but he had two injury played years. I think at thirty years old, he's still young enough to say, if you're the Reds, you don't have to see him hit seven home runs this spring to say maybe he's still got it. You need to see him run, you know. And if his knees look like they're good, if he's covering ground, you know, he was a, a you know, we're twelve wins above replacement over a three and a half year period uh, with the Rays. Uh, you know what he's got, and he still should be young enough to, to do that on a regular basis if asked. And I think Jennings has shown he's healthy, which in, in my mind, you don't sign him if you're looking for him to improve on what he's done in the past. You sign him to see if he's healthy, and if he's healthy, you keep him. Um, so I think Jennings, in my mind, assuming he doesn't get hurt between now and the end of the uh, spring, knock on wood, obviously, uh, he's made the team in my mind. And so it, then it becomes which veteran guy do you want to be uh, the pinch hitter, or the versatility guy, and I think that's kind of where Barn and Rayburn might be that that you know second guy competing for that one spot that Price mentioned. Yeah, I, w- I would say that um, I, I agree that I think there you have multiple reasons to keep a guy like Jennings on the team as opposed to someone like Rayburn who is a lot more one dimensional. Um, you know, I I think that they like uh, Alcantara just given how much he's played. <laughs> throughout spring so far and uh yeah, yeah. i mean he, he it seems like he's in the lineup every single day and, and, and a different, day, different position a different yeah. spot which yeah. which you know i think if you're the reds you need that guy you know if, especially if you're going to be moving you know possibly moving jose peraza around the diamond moving dilson herrera maybe you know suarez played short today yeah so uh there's i think the reds are going to try and keep it versatile and they're really valuing that versatility. So I think Alcantara is a shoe in at this point. Um, And then, you know, you have Jennings, who can play all three outfield positions. Another guy that we haven't uh, mentioned yet is Tony Renda, who you came in, came in last year in the Chapman deal and then ended up, you know, actually playing a lot towards the end of the season. Uh, You know, just spelling guys in, you know, at the end, getting guys rest, you know, filling in for injured players. And, you know, little Tony Renda is, uh, it, it seems like he's getting a lot of run so far. He, uh, he is, and he's, he's getting run in a lot of different spots too. I mean, I, I was under the impression he was primarily a second baseman. Um, obviously he played a little, you know, uh, elsewhere in his minor league career, but, you know, I thought he really profiled as the guy who is the second baseman. But heck, he got a start in, or he was getting time in right field the other day. He's played left field. He's played third base. Um, to me, it seems like they're grooming him to be uh, probably the twenty sixth guy on the roster, right. or the guy that they, you know, depending on how they shake out the rotation in the bullpen. We mentioned earlier that that you know, there's not really a need for a. Uh, an effective fifth starter for a while. Maybe he breaks camp with a big league team and they carry an extra bat. Um, But, but it seems like to me, he is, he's in that position to be regardless of who gets hurt. If somebody gets hurt, Tony Renda is getting called up because he's going to be that guy who could be the third baseman, second baseman, corner outfielder, pinch hitter, uh, late in a defensive replacement. I think he's kind of the, he's almost Alcantara's backup at this point because, uh, he, he's he's a guy who looks like he could be very good depth. 
good contact hitter, uh, nothing special, but can at least be effective around the diamond. And I think that's kind of uh, – uh, I like the way that they've chosen to be versatile with him already and ask him to do that because I think that's something – I mean, whether or not it happens on day one – I mean, we're obviously talking about opening day roster here, but I think uh, uh, yeah. he's going to be the guy who uh, uh, will – have a role with the big league team at some point down the road, but it's probably behind Alcantara and uh, Irabarn, who can both kind of do that same thing also. Uh, but Rendo's got an option left, and so I think they'll end up probably stashing him. Uh, but admittedly, with the, the fact that he's going to be up at the big league level this year. Yeah, I think one, yeah, it seems to me like one of those things where, you know, you're not going to notice that Tony Renda's on the team, and then we're going to look up at the end of the season. And he's going to have 200 at bats at the big league level, and we're going to be like, "Where, where did this guy even come from?" So, right, yeah, yeah. Because I think if you look up, and if you know, if Alcantara is out of options, uh, and you want to keep Renda instead of him, then you're one Billy Hamilton injury away from having Desmond Jennings as the only center fielder within two levels of the system. Um, I think they keep Alcantara because. He can play center field. That means they don't have to put Jose Peraza out in center field or play Desmond Jennings every day. Uh, and Renda kind of serves as the backup to that that contingency plan, which, you know, if Billy Hamilton had played 155 games every year for the first three years of his career, that's something maybe you don't consider as much. But the fact that he's been as banged up as he is, I think they need that multiple layers of center field depth. And I think Jennings and Alcantara covers that. And that probably squeezes run into the bench. But again, you know, these, these things always have a way of, you know, we look at a roster as being 25 guys thinking it's final, but they gave you 40 for a reason. And I think Rinda's absolutely going to play, you know, like you mentioned, he's going to have 150, 200 bats this year, somewhere down the line, somehow. Yeah. I know we didn't talk about this ahead of time, but are you at all interested in the Kelly Johnson rumors? <laughs> the, oh. Kelly, the Kelly Johnson rumors are like the Scott Feldman of rumors right now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's not the most exciting thing in the world, but apparently they've checked in. So. They have checked in. And I guess that, that that's a due diligence move that I'm, I'm happy to see them make as well. If for no other reason that I want to see them trade him to the Braves at some point later this year, just so he can <laughs> wrap, wrap, wrap his 13th consecutive season of playing a game for Atlanta. Yeah. I mean, that's... I mean, he can. He does what sec, second base and third base, pretty much. I mean, just he he would basically be taking Erie Barnes' spot, I believe. So, you know, that's right. It's yeah. more of a due diligence thing than than anything else. Yeah, right? and he's he's available. They're not you know they're not trying to trade for him at this point. I right. Think if, right. You know if uh, it's it never hurts to to keep tabs on somebody at this point in the spring <laughs> because. All it takes is somebody blowing a knee out or, uh, you know, uh, tweaking a hamstring. And then suddenly you've got an opening that you didn't think you had. And Kelly Johnson is still sitting there. And, you know, he's at least a, a relatively known quantity at this point. So um, it's not surprising that – it's obviously not surprising that anybody's keeping tabs on him because he's had a productive enough career. But, yeah, I think it's – hopefully it's more of a, a, a maintenance due diligence thing than it is uh, an active desire to have Kelly Johnson on the roster. Well, with that, I I think I'm going to wrap it up. Um, there's really not a ton else to talk about this week. Uh, you know, I think we're going to be Feldman. keeping. I mean, we we spent 20 minutes on Scott Feldman. Scott Feldman. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, 
yeah, I think we're going to really be keeping an eye out on uh, what's what's going on here the next week or two. Um, so, yeah, expect probably another round of cuts, I would think, before uh, we record our next show. So we'll have uh, more to talk about there. So, um, you know, keep uh, following us. Uh, we just still going through red reports so keep uh reading those and uh, checking in with us there we're gonna probably do our prediction contest here in a couple weeks so that's always a a fun time for me to calculate (laughs) (laughs) we get the uh the the opening roster contest too right uh i don't know if we're doing that one this year i think we it's it's a little late it's a little. It's a little. It's a little murky too. There's gonna be a yeah. whole lot of whole lot of variables. Yeah, I don't. I don't think anybody wins the opening day roster <laughs> prediction contest this year, no you matter to, what. You so. get the seventeen, and you probably take home the title. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, with that, uh, follow us on Twitter at Red Reporter. Uh, go to redreporter.com and uh, read our various writings. And uh, for Wick and Eric, we will see you next week. Right on. See you guys. Cool.